0: You're listening to the Radiant Church podcast. Worship with us on Sundays in Kansas City, or join us in June for our youth and young adult conference called Bold. Who loves puzzles? Is there anybody like you're a puzzle person in the room? All right, my wife is the same way, so we're actually we're expecting our third baby this November. um, So yeah, we're super excited about that, Another little Drinsky baby. Um, We're taking bets on if it's a boy or a girl, but anyway. So we're, she's finally out of that first trimester, you know I mean, moms, you know what I'm talking about. She's finally out of that phase of awful nausea, and so now she's, like, getting back to normal, and she's like, man, I just want to do some puzzles. So um, I I bought a bunch of puzzles so she could do puzzles, and she's, like, has this, like, very detailed, like, specific way that she does puzzles that you don't mess with. You know what I'm saying? If you're ever doing a puzzle with Rachel, just trust me. You just want to do puzzles the same way as her. Um... For your sake, as much as hers. So um, so she does it. She does the edges, and she's doing all these things. And I swear, I spend about three quarters of my time doing puzzles, just staring at the box. You, you guys with me? You're like, you go, like seriously, This, it's, that's how I do puzzles, and I just stare at the box for forever. Because really, what I think, and this is what I tell her, is that the, the box is the most important part of the puzzle. Like, it takes this little smudge of a piece that you're looking at, into, oh, okay, that's like the happy little tree from the Bob Ross painting. You know what I mean? It's like that's that transition is like if you see the box, you get what the piece is supposed to look like and how it fits. And I think really as we close out this series on David, I want to kind of step back and do the same thing. We've done these incredible deep dives into aspects and and pieces of David's life. But today I want to kind of take one giant step back And look at this macro-level principle that I think he applied really, really strategically in his life. And as we embody this and we embrace this rhythm that he applied, I really do believe that we can take some ground individually in our own lives, in our own pursuit of Jesus and as we follow Jesus. And the big idea that I want you to get out of all of this today is this. It's two phrases we'll come back to over and over. It's this idea of going out and this idea of coming in. And I want to set the stage. I want to be strategic here. And I want you to know that when you go out, we're talking about living on mission. And when you come in, when you're coming in, then we're talking about establishing your relationship with the Lord. So does that make sense? We're going to talk about going out and coming in. And the reason why I love this phrasing is this, is that it connotates rhythm. It connotates movement. It connotates us actually taking ground and one of the things that I hear really frequently is this, is that, man, I just want to live a balanced life. You know what I mean? And that's, I think the intent of that phrasing is good, but we'll look, here's what I think happens is, look, I'm perfectly balanced right now. But I'm not moving. You see, when we're in a rhythm, when we become in a people of rhythm, what happens is we are people in motion. And I really think that all throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, we see this continual picture of being people on the move, being people of rhythm. People who, as David would articulate in Solomon, people who are going out and coming in. So as we look at this life of David when we look at his principle, I want to actually jump in and start when David's already passed away. David is dead here. The kingdom has transitioned into Solomon's rule. And there's this really famous portion of the Bible where Solomon has an encounter with God where he asks for wisdom. But I think his phrasing when Solomon is asking for wisdom is really important. So let's look at this. It's in 1 Kings chapter 3. It says, And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings at that altar. At Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. So here's this encounter. And God said, Ask what I shall give you. I mean, that's like a heavy moment right there. God, the God of the universe just asked this newly appointed king, what do you want? And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and an uprightness of heart. And you have kept him for him, this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O oh Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David. Although I am but a little child, here's the phrase, I do not know how to go out or come in. So Solomon's saying, I do not know how to go out or come in. So clearly, Solomon had this moment everyone dreads when you're walking out of a store and they have glass doors. It's right? so that moment where you just walk right into it. You're hoping it's a push, and all of a sudden you find out it's a pull. It's like... We have a door problem. I don't think that's exactly what Solomon was talking about. It's that I don't think he had that moment where he's looking over his shoulder, did anyone see me just do that? And then they did, and you're kind of, what do I do now? You leave as quickly as possible. That's what you do in that situation. No, he was saying, hey, I, I was a little boy watching my father be the king. I was a little boy watching my father write songs to the Lord. I was a little boy watching my father have these victories and battles and these conquests. And I saw a principle that he embodied in his life. And if I'm going to take his place, if I'm going to lead the people of God, I need to know how to do this very same thing. I need to know how to go out and come in. I need to know how to establish a healthy relationship with the Lord, and I need to know how to live on mission. I need to go out and come in. David's life embodied this. If you look at 1 Samuel 18, it actually says this. It says, but all of Israel and Judah loved David, and here's why. For he went out and came in before them. See, that this is a prerequisite to leading in the kingdom of God, that if you want to lead the people of God, we have to be people who know how to go out and to come in. And what I love about this principle that David embodied so well is that it's seen all throughout the Bible. Moses articulates it in the Old Testament. Let's look at it for a moment. In Numbers 27, Moses spoke to the Lord saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation. He's talking about, God, appoint someone to lead your people who shall go out before them and come in before them. Who shall lead them out and bring them in. That the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. Moses is establishing if we want to be leaders, if we want to lead our families well, if we want to lead people well, if we want to be people of influence and impact, then we need to be people who embody this rhythm of going in and coming out. In fact, in Moses' retirement speech, this is amazing. Look at Moses. This is his retirement speech when he's handing off, he's abdicating the leadership of the nation to Joshua. Look what he says. It's in Deuteronomy 31. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and come in. And the Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. Moses was able to lead the people because he established a rhythm. And when he was no longer able to maintain that rhythm, he was no longer able to lead the people. So when Joshua transitions into leadership, look at the life of Joshua. I love this. In Joshua 14, he says this. He says, I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then, for war and for going and coming. Joshua is articulating that he is able to lead the people because he is still able to go out and to come in. It's a rhythm that we have to establish in our lives. So as we look at these principles, we have to... We have to Remember that as we talk about going out and coming in, that these are macro level ideas that, that going out is being on mission, taking ground for the kingdom. When, when we look at the life of David and what he was doing when he was going out, he was essentially being a witness of the true and living God. He was taking ground for the kingdom of God. He was taking ground for the people of God. And then when he was coming in, he was worshiping, he was establishing and reestablishing that dynamic, vibrant, healthy relationship that he had cultivated with the Lord. It's this rhythm that they embody. In 1 Samuel 18, let's look at it again. I want to give you context here. This is, incre- this is so powerful. In verse 12 it says, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but it departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand. And he, this is David, went out and came in before the people. And David had success in all of his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he had a great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. But all of Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before the people. all of israel loved david because he established a rhythm of going out and coming in i promise you if you are able to establish this incredible rhythm in our lives individually and collectively what will happen is that your life can literally be transformed and that you can take more ground in your own spiritual development as you strive to grow closer to the Lord as you follow him, as you gaze into his face and worship, and then also as you take ground and you, are, you shine the light of God into a darkened world. I love this language because it's language of motion. You see, Eugene Peterson wrote it like this. He says that the main two designations for people of faith, people who are following Jesus are this, that they are disciples and they are pilgrims. Both of those connotate motion. They connotate taking ground. They connotate being a people who are active and not passive. Balance leads to a passive life. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to maintain a status quo. Rhythm implies I am moving toward a goal. When you think about it, even in physics, when you think about it, an object at rest tends to stay at rest. But an object in motion tends to, you're like, it's summer. We are not doing physics in summer. But an object in motion tends to stay in motion. Rhythm. If you are in rhythm and you are taking ground and aspects of your life, you will tend to stay in rhythm. You will tend to stay in motion. But when you stop, you'll tend to stop. So I'm going to give you three big ideas this morning about coming in. And then I want to give you three more ideas about going out. So here's the first one. Relationship brings God's presence into our lives. In 1 Samuel 18, verses 12 and 14, it says, The Lord was with him. See, David, I think, understood this, that he wasn't going into the presence of God and then leaving God's presence and then going out. But see, he was going in and he was establishing God's presence in his own life. And then he was taking God's presence out with him. You see, we are carriers of God's presence. Jesus doesn't live in a church. He lives in the hearts of his followers. So as we we don't leave God's presence as we go out into the world, we actually come into his presence establish it, encounter him, gaze at his eyes, and then we take his presence with us as we go out. The second point is relationship brings God's awe in our lives. You see, verse 12 and 15, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. It was evident to Saul that David had been with God. In verse 15, it says, Saul stood in fearful awe of him. You see, whatever problem you may be facing in your life, I promise you the solution will always be Jesus. It doesn't matter how big of a mountain that you're facing. It doesn't matter how stressful the situation is. When you begin to cultivate God's presence in your life, solutions will present themselves that you never thought possible. As we become a people who look at Eye to eye, who look face to face with the true, the living God as we come into his presence to worship, to be refreshed, to establish his relationship in our own hearts. What will happen is that we are able to accomplish more in this life because of his presence. When you look at the life of David, even when you look at his great successes, when you look at um, David, the story of David and Goliath or writing the Psalms or his, his mighty men when they were hiding in the, the caves, when they were establishing the kingdom, when they were taking ground over the Philistines and the surrounding nations, when they were doing all of those great things, you see this rhythm happening in his life. But even when you look at David's great failures, what you see is the lack of rhythm in his life. You see, when David had his his great moral falling with Bathsheba, look at it in 2 Samuel chapter 11. It says, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him. David broke down this rhythm. He, He stopped the rhythm, and at that moment was when he had his great falling. But the beauty of the story of David is that you're able to reestablish rhythm. Rhythm is not a one time only thing, if you fall out of rhythm, you can get back into rhythm. When you look at David's response to the prophet Nathan, what was his response? He came right back into the presence of the Lord. He began to pray. He began to fast. And he says, who knows what God will do in my life? Who knows? He starts writing the Psalms. God, search me and know my ways O oh God. See if there's any wicked way in me. Create in me a clean heart and renew an upright spirit in me. He said he realized that his rhythm had broken down and he had to reestablish that rhythm. David was a man of rhythm, and as we become people of rhythm, we believe, and I, tr- I trust this rhythm, that it will take, you will take ground in your life because of it. Third point is the relationship brings wisdom. As we spend time with Lord, the Lord, as we gaze upon his face, as we develop our personal devotion life to him, what happens is we will grow in wisdom. The verse says that David behaved wisely. It's this incredible moment where David is behaving wisely because of the presence of the Lord. His son Solomon identifies this rhythm, and then Solomon is known for wisdom. So you have two extremely wise people both saying that this is the rhythm that we need in our lives. A spiritual hero of mine, um, a few years ago I had an opportunity to spend a, a decent amount of time with him, and I... I would just pepper them with questions anytime I was with them. It was probably annoying because it's, I mean, you're sitting there, you're coming in, you're doing traveling, and all of a sudden there's this, you know, 30-year-old youth pastor asking you a million questions. But um, but I've learned that it, whoever asks the most questions controls the conversation. So if you ever want to, like, control the conversation, just start asking questions. You'll, because they, they have to answer your questions. So you can just ask them whatever you want. And so what would happen was I would just ask him all kinds of questions like, what are you reading right now? Who are your top influences in your life? What books do you have that you would recommend to a young leader? How do you read the Bible? What do you do in this situation? How are you doing that? What are you doing here? I Just perpetual questions. And at one point I said, hey, I want to become a wiser person. I want to I become wiser. I want to behave wiser. I want to be a wiser person. What do you do? What would you recommend for me to do? And he said this, and I'll never forget this. He said that you should... He was telling me this. He said, I want you to read um, He's like, read five psalms and one proverb a day. And you do that for a month. And over the course of a month, you're going to read the entire book of psalms and you're going to read the entire book of proverbs. And he said, what's going to happen is you're going wi- to be able to practically wiser because of proverbs and you're gonna, your prayer life will become stronger because of the psalms. He was giving me this rhythm through reading the Bible. And as he did that, And as he articulated that to me, what happened was I found myself growing in ways that I didn't expect. Because I was establishing a healthy spiritual rhythm. So that's coming in. Here's some big ideas about going out, about living on mission. Is that one, we go out because we are on mission. See, we are people whose, we are called to take ground for the kingdom. When you think about the Great Commission, Jesus says what? He says to go out into all the world. To make disciples in my name, baptize them. He says to go out, but then he also says, I want you to come in to Jerusalem and be filled with my Holy Spirit. When you think about that we are supposed to be people on mission, what I think happens is that there is a willingness to do it, but sometimes we don't take the practical step of doing it. You know, Barna Research just actually just wrote that um, Right up, 40% of Christians are willing to share their faith. That's not how many people actually are sharing their faith. They're actually telling people about Jesus. It's how many people are willing to share their faith. When as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we have this, this commission, this mandate to go into the world. We're to be a people who are on mission. Number two is we go out to make a difference. Here's the big idea that I want us to get, that it's so much easier to make a difference if you know your purpose. So here at Radium, we, we love our Next Steps process, and we love the Next Steps class. And here's why we love it so much. It's that we are able to help you articulate your God-given purposes. We are, you take a spiritual gift assessment, a personality inventory, and through those, we want you to be able to actually put to motion your natural gifts and callings. Because let's be real, if you're good at something, you're going to enjoy it more, right? That's why I don't do mini puzzles with my wife. I hate them. They're awful. They're frustrating. Um, I just don't like doing them. Why? Because I'm terrible at it. My wife loves them. Why? Because she's good at them. She's got a whole system. She'll tell you about it. But the reality is that if you can articulate your natural abilities and your natural giftings, you're going to be better at what you do, and you're going to be more fulfilled in doing it because you're enjoying yourself. You're using a natural strength to take ground for the kingdom of God. That's why we say we should be people who make a difference. That's why we use that language is because we want to identify how God has created us and then apply it, go out and serve people. And then thirdly is the overall value of going out. So if you come into a relationship but you never go out on mission, what happens is it's like you're only staring at one side of a coin. The other side's right there. That's what going in and coming out, I really do believe. There are two sides of the same coin that we have to hold on to both sides of these to be truly effective Christians that we both need to come in and to go out. But if we only do one, if we only are people who, who go in or are only people who, who come out, that what happens is this, is that we get skewed on one side of it and we're never able to make the difference that we would have been able to. She's a follower of Jesus. I wanna look at him one day and I want him to say, well done, that good and faithful servant. I don't want him to say, you did a good job talking about it. I don't want him to say you did a good job thinking about it. I want him to say, "Well done." That you did a good job actually doing it. That you lived a life of motion. That you lived a life of rhythm. You lived a life of taking ground for the kingdom of God. But we can't let go of either side of this coin. We gotta we gotta hold tightly to coming in. Here's how I would think of it. When you come in, man, lock eyes with Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. But when you go out, fix your eyes on people. So often throughout the Gospels when we see Jesus' interactions with people, when he healed somebody, when he he moved in their life, when he spoke truth to them, it begins with this simple phrase that he looked at them. And come in, fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's worship. Let's declare how good He is. Let's declare how much He loves us, but let's go out and let's lock eyes with people who need to know His goodness in their own lives. You see, in the Old Testament, there's this incredible picture, this rhythm that they talk about of going in and coming out. And I think one of the most powerful things we could ever do in this vein is this is just establish this rhythm. See, what happens is the hardest points, the hardest part of establishing a rhythm is this. It's going from zero to one. When you get to one, it's easier to go to two. And at your two, it's easier to go to three, and then four, and then five, and then six, and on and on and on. The hardest point, the hardest moment that you will ever face in establishing this rhythm is going from zero to one. Just like we said earlier, objects in motion tend to stay in motion. The beauty of this is this, is that as you start forward motion, as you start this rhythm, as you start taking ground consistently, what happens is this, is you start to establish momentum in your life. And I promise you, if you have incredible godly rhythm in your life and then you couple that with stacking day of rhythm on top of day of rhythm on top of day of rhythm on top of day of rhythm rhythm. what happens is you're going to look back over a season of your life and be able to articulate so many incredible victories and the things that you've seen God do dreams that you thought were dead will become revived in your heart ways and opportunities to serve other people that you never imagined or thought of before in your life will begin to stir in your own hearts. People, family members, neighbors that you are hoping will one day say yes to following Jesus all of a sudden are asking you questions and are, and are articulating a desire to, to know what's different about you and your family. But it starts that first step. It starts with establishing rhythm, it starts with establishing the rhythm of going in and coming out. Of being able to look at your life and say, what are the areas of my life that I need to improve upon? What are the areas in my life that I look, if I really am honest and transparent with my own life, what are the areas that I think, if I change this one area, my entire life would become better? And taking a step in that direction and saying, let's begin to establish some rhythm. And who knows what it is. The Lord will speak to you something completely different than he may be speaking to me. And maybe, hey, I want you to start waking up early so you can spend time with me before work. Or maybe for you, it's I want you to wake up earlier. Or maybe it's staying up late at night so that you can read your Bible and spend time with him. Or maybe it's changing the movies or the music that you listen to. Or maybe it's updating the podcast list that you're subscribing to. Whatever it is, what are the areas that you can establish a healthier, more vibrant rhythm as you follow Jesus? What are the areas that when you lock eyes with him, he says, I see you. What areas in our life that if we come into his presence consistently and faithfully, will we grow in? Maybe it's spending time in prayer. Maybe it's beginning to come to the, the midweek prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. Maybe it's going to a small group throughout the week and you want to give your rhythm week. So you want to come in on Sunday, but then you want to come in again and, and be with a small group of people in a relationship as you go out throughout your week. What is it? What's an area that you can come in so that you can go out? And I love this principle as we, as I close out here and we look at the, even the Old Testament temple as David and his men, as they established the temple of God, they would come in, but they would come in on one gate and they would leave on the opposite gate. They wouldn't come in and go out the same door. You know, when you think about the building here today, most of us will come in and go out the same door. But David, when he would come into the temple to be refreshed, to worship, to to reestablish that relationship in his own heart, and his own life, he would go out a different way. You see, as we come into the Lord, I really believe this signifies as we come into his presence that we do not leave the same. That we're changed. As we gaze upon his face, as we lock eyes with him, he will transform our hearts and our lives. And then we'll go out and we'll show people his goodness. If you would like to follow Jesus, we'd like to connect with you on your journey. Email us at follow at radianchurchkc.com. If this ministry has encouraged you, we'd love to hear your story. Email us at mystory at radianchurchkc.com. If you'd like to invest in Radian Church, please click give on our website, radianchurchkc.com. Are you a young adult and interested in spending a year in Kansas City at Radian Church? Check out radianintensive.com. Thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast.